Good morning to you. Welcome to Get Up With God. It's a beautiful morning to study the Word together. Well, I'm great to... I'm uh, excited to have you, and it's going to be a great day today. I'm making a choice now. Today's episode, I want to talk to you about having strong faith, what it means to have strong faith, especially today in your life, and what it, what it can do for your life. But I want to talk to you about the importance of it, what God sees in it, and what it means to God when you have your faith in Him. Open with me in your Bible. And uh, to open to a notepad as well, Grab a maybe grab a cup of coffee, and let's get into the Word this morning t- discussing our faith and how we can have strong faith, especially in tough times like we have right now. You know, there's a lot going on in the world. There's a lot of things moving, a lot of moving parts, but there's one thing we cannot forget, that God is pleased by our faith. We understand that in the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter, that above all things, God is pleased by your and my faith. And it's important to understand that, that in these times, it's not okay just to disperse of what you have stood on. It's not okay just to get rid of the foundation that we've lived on. And it's important to remember who God is and what his ability is as well. Not that that he just exists and that he is. Remember what Jesus said? He said, even the, uh, even the, 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 uh, the devils believe, they believe these things. But we believe and we expect on what we believe that God is true to what he says he will do. It's not just about believing that he exists. It's believing that he will do what he said he will do. So we're going to go through this this morning. This will be powerful. Open your your Bible with me. We're going to pray here, and then we'll get right into these six points that I've got for you this morning about having strong faith. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We ask that you help us, lead us, and guide us. We lift you up and glorify you. I ask that every person listening under the sound of my voice this morning would be helped, would be equipped, and would be ready for the day. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Point number one is the origin of faith. Where did faith come from? Where did we where do we see it that it comes to pass in our life? One of the most important things that God sees in the necessity from us is our trust in Him. I want to turn with you into the book of Proverbs, chapter three. The book of Proverbs, chapter three. And we're going to start there. But the origin of faith, I want to give you the Greek translation of faith, what it says in the Greek, but Proverbs chapter 3 is where I want to start this morning. In Proverbs 3, uh, a very famous scripture, you've probably heard this before, but discusses the importance of leaning on God. But before we go into that, the origin of faith started in the Greek, the, the word for it is pistos, pistos, and in that, in that translation, it means the belief with the, uh, with the idea of trust the belief with the idea of trust or the uh, conclu- the conclusion that god exists and provides the conclusion that god exists and he provides so that's an important understanding of what faith is is that not only that we believe that he is we believe that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You can find that in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. The Bible says we must believe that he is and believe that he's a rewarder. It's twofold, two-sided, double-sided to what your faith does. Not just that he exists and that he's real, but that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You know, it's not enough just to believe that God is. God is. He is existing. And he has existed before you ever existed. But to believe that he is and that he's a rewarder. 
You can go back and read that. Actually, let's turn there before we read this verse in, he- in Proverbs 3, but you can keep your hand there. Hebrews, go to Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Go to verse 6, it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So it's not just believing that he is. You know, there's a lot of people that believe in the religion that you and I believe in, which is the lifestyle of trusting in Christ. They believe Jesus walked this earth. They just don't believe that Jesus did and does hold the weight that he does uh, through time now that we that we live in. Jesus is not just a philosopher that lived on the earth for a short amount of time and then was martyred. Jesus is the son of God. And we know that we believe that. But Jesus or uh, rather God goes a step further in what your faith is pleasing to him with that it should believe that your, your confidence in him should believe that he's a rewarder of those that b- do believe in him, not just to believe that he is in existence. So now flip back to Proverbs 3, and we can go over to verse 5 now. Proverbs 3 and 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. From the beginning of time, back in Genesis We can read in Genesis chapter two, the first commandment. Now, when God created man, he said to them, have dominion, take over this earth, but he hadn't breathed into them yet. Now, when he breathed into Adam and he spoke life into them and he created him into the garden directly before he, he created Eve from his, uh, from his body, he said to Adam, he said, the first thing I'm going to command you, you know, he, he gave, he gave authority, gave dominion to him, but he gave him the first commandment was don't eat of this tree, but eat of this tree. And what most people see that as, and what I've looked at it as for a long time, is this is what God is restricting Adam from. But that's not what happened. That garden was full of a lot of things. And there was one tree that he said no to, but the Bible points out in Genesis 2 that there was two specific types of tree. There was the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And he said, this is the tree I don't want you to to partake of. But that tree of life was completely available still. He never said anything about the tree of life. It was the tree of knowledge of good and evil that he said no to. You can go back and read it for yourself in Genesis chapter 2. There was a tree of life and a tree of good and evil, or knowledge of good and evil. But God wanted Adam, wanted Eve, and the rest of humanity to have life. He wants you to have life and in abundance. He wants you to have plenty of life. Go to John chapter 10. John chapter 10 quickly. John chapter 10. He said, uh, Jesus is speaking here. And he's speaking to his disciples. And he says here. He said, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. So you think about the enemy in the Garden of Eden, that the, the serpent that was manipulated by the enemy. That serpent comes to Adam, or well, comes to Eve first, comes to Eve and says, has not God given you all these trees and you should eat them? They're good for you. you, you he'll, it'll make you like him. You'll know good and evil. And he said, she said, 
Well, he told me not to touch it, and he he twists it immediately and says, "Well, did he say that? Is that what he said? Why why wouldn't he want you to be like him? Why wouldn't he want you to have that tree?" And he says, "The thief doesn't come but to steal, kill, and destroy." But the enemy, the thief, made it seem like God was the one that wanted to keep this thing from them. But that's not the case. God doesn't want to keep anything from you. God doesn't want to hold anything back from you. But the thief makes it seem like this is what God's intention is by withholding something from you. It's not the case at all. God wants you to have everything. In fact, the tree of life, what else do you need besides life? He's come to give you life, not just the understanding of life. But he's come to give. That's why a lot of these people, the, the, you see this in First and Second Timothy, where Paul is talking to Timothy, that it, these people will at these end, during these end times they're going to depart from faith because they've got stuck in this rut of trying to understand and trying to philosophize life. My understanding. I want to deconstruct my faith. I want to get an understanding of who I am and what I am and and who you lost yourself when you became Christ's. The Bible says you laid up your life, you died with Christ, so you're a new person now. And so this whole idea that I need to have the understanding, and no, you need to trust in the Lord with all your heart first. Put your confidence in him. Sometimes there's things you do that you don't understand why you do it or why you need to do it, but your trust in God is leading you that direction because it's the right thing for you to do. And it sometimes pulls you out of a place where you think it's the best thing for, or in, in your mind, it pulls you out of a place where you think this is, this may not be the best thing for me, but I'm trusting in God. I believe this is the right direction. Uh, I'm putting my trust in God and in his ways. And sometimes my understanding isn't always there. Why do, why do we always have to understand something in terms of, uh, of trusting God? And so, so the, the enemy, the thief, comes to twist and steal and, and destroy what God has provided to his people and not, not the other way around. And Jesus said, I have come, speaking of himself, that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So not just living and life and being here, but having life in abundance, having plenty of life to it. It's not just enough to, to exist. Like I said, it's not just enough to believe God exists. There has to be some reward, some connection in it. Not my opinion. This is what God said. He said, for you to please, for you to be pleasing to me, it takes faith. And faith has a connotation that God exists and provides. Not just that God exists, but that, that's what that Greek word, when any when time that word is uttered, within the New Testament, in the Greek, that is the connotation that's coming from it, is not only the belief that he exists, but the, the belief that when he exists, he provides. So that's not some, some philosophy that's being um, doused in what we, what we believe because of doctrine or religion that we've ingrained in, in our Christianity. This is what it has originated as within the scriptures, within the context of scriptures. God has always intended that your be, belief be in him and what he can do. But it starts with it being in him. It's not just enough to believe that he exists only. Believing is is it does it is enough to believe, but it's not just enough to believe that he exists and that he can do it, but that he will do it, that he is a provider. He will not just have the ability to provide, but that the provision will come no matter what it is, 
what one you know i'm not just talking about monetarily or, or materialistically i'm talking about the provision for you to have heaven and eternal eternity as well you have faith in god that he has the ability to save your your soul save your your life from the tribulation that this world will hold save your life from the tribulation and the the pit of hell that's provision god's providing for you eternity and in some ways that's the context that faith is used in is not just the provision material on earth though it does include that but it's also including the provision of eternal life with god uh, so number two, Genesis, we talked about in Genesis 2, 2, 16 and Proverbs 3 and 5, that lean not on your own understanding. Don't just trust on your own understanding. You're, you could understand something. And that's why your understanding could go awry. And it's not, it, you know, the the understanding of something isn't the most important thing because your understanding can be off. You could misunderstand it. So you understand something, but it's the wrong perception of it. It's the wrong conception. And, and. A lot of times, most of the time, your perception of things, <laughs> your perception of things is typically wrong, but your perception of things dictates to you something that is very real. It seems that way. So your understanding isn't the only way. It's not the solution for all these things. Uh, your understanding is is not as bright as it could be without the enlightenment of what God has given to us through the illumination with the Holy Spirit and the word. So your, your understanding of things can be, can be off. And do you think Adam, he didn't question it until Eve was tempted by the enemy. There, there didn't need to be a reason for them to say, why, why didn't God do this for us? Why aren't we able to partake of this tree? No, they didn't need that. They just had to believe and trust that what he said was good and that he existed and that he was able to provide with what their faith was in. Come on, that's really good stuff. Number three, what 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 kind of faith did Jesus like? Let me show you. Turn it into Luke, the seventh chapter. Luke, the seventh chapter. Now, when he had entered, or when he had concluded all these things and hearing of the people, he entered into Capernaum, and a, a certain centurion servant, who was a certain centurion's servant, who was dear to him, was sick and ready to die. And so when he heard about Jesus, he sent the elders of the Jews to plead with him to come and heal his servant. Jump down now to verse six. Then Jesus went with them. And when he was not already far off from the house, the centurion sent friends to him saying to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself saying to him, uh, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I do not even think myself worthy to come to you, but you say the word and my servant will be healed, for I am also a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and another one, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. So you're telling me the faith that pleases Jesus is faith that is obedient to a command. Doesn't even have to be the reality of what you see with your eyes. It's just a command. And Jesus, his own words, said, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And we go back. If you read back through Luke up until this point in the scripture, chronologically, 
leprosy healed, demonic people possessed, blind people's eyes restored. So many miracles took place before this particular miracle. This tells me, this tells me the kind of faith that pleases God is not based on evidence. It's not based on reality. It's based on what God says and what you believe that his word says will come to pass and do for you. That's what pleases God. This is from the words of Jesus. He was not impressed. Number four, Jesus was unimpressed with the miracle. Jesus was not impressed with the miracle that took place. So could this be the case that with your ability or or what God's ability is in your life, that he's not impressed with what happens in your life, rather what you believe him for will happen in your life? So that's an impressive feat for us to conquer is to not be worried about what do, what comes of this or what's the outcome of this, but rather, am I believing through the midst of it? Am I believing in the midst of this thing? Jesus is unimpressed with the miraculous part of the thing that he did. He wasn't impressed that the, that the servant was healed. He, he knew that was going to happen already. That's unimpressive. What Jesus was impressed with was the fact that this man, without any evidence, without any physical contact, without any proof, said, you say the word, and I know that my servant will be healed. That's it. That's all I need from you, God. That's all I need is just a word that says it will happen, and my confidence is there. This is what God loves. This is the thing, the faith that Jesus loves. He said he hadn't found faith greater than that in all of Israel. Jesus isn't, Jesus is not in faith for a miracle. Jesus is the miracle worker. He's the one that provides the miracle, but he wants to see your faith through the midst of no miracle. So the faith, the faith is present when there's no miracle. The faith exists when the miracle is not there. That's when Jesus is impressed. Not after the fact, when you're healthy, when you're living the life that you're supposed to live, when you have the money that you're supposed to have, when you get all your stuff right in your life. That's not when Jesus is impressed. He's impressed when you're not in the midst of those things, but yet you believe that his word says these things will come to pass. So I trust that these things will happen. I trust that he said he, that Jesus said this, this, and this, and I believe that he's going to do this, this, and this. That's where God's impressed. That's where Jesus is impressed. So you're whining, you're complaining. You can write this down as point number five. You're whining, you're complaining doesn't move God for miracles to happen. You're crying out to him. He hears you. He's close. The Bible says he's close to the brokenhearted, that he moves close to those that are brokenhearted, but that's not moving him to to miracles. Though he's sympathetic, he loves you as a child. It doesn't move him to perform on your behalf based on what the word says. This man moved Jesus by his faith in what Jesus could do. His it wasn't the the crying out. It wasn't the the burdensome thing. I know things get emotional. I'm just telling you, it doesn't move God to to action. It gets him close to you. He he'll comfort the brokenhearted. He'll love you. He'll take care of you and make sure that you're not alone because you're not. You'll never be alone. He loves you indefinitely. Uh, 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 without any doubt, he takes care of you and he loves you. He wants you to be wants you to be wants you to be blessed. Doesn't want you to be discouraged. But he's not going to move to performance until you have faith that he can and will do it for you. 
That's the difference of it. And a lot of times when you're in an emotional state like that, you're not in confidence like that. So we see now, uh, real quickly, in Luke 18, we, we turn now to Luke 18, Jesus had a major concern with what would happen during these end times and what's happening in our society today. He said in uh, Luke 18, and uh, we'll start in verse 6, Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? When the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith? Now, it's debated whether that's the second coming or that's the rapture return. Here's the point. The faith that we possess in the ability of God, that we possess to believe in God's ability and to reward that faith, Jesus finds a lack of it. And then we see that for lack of time. Uh, you can turn there yourself, but in in First Timothy chapter or Second Timothy chapter four, uh, or I believe it's First Timothy chapter four, we see where where uh, he says some will depart from this faith, some will leave this faith. So what is he saying? Let's just turn there real quick. First Timothy chapter four. He says that some will depart from the faith in this time. giving heed to seducing spirits. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. So, so some will depart from the belief or the idea of trust or conviction that God exists and provides. Some will depart from this. Well, well, depart from the faith in what? Faith that God not only God exists, but that God's a rewarder. They'll depart from that faith. God's a, uh, God's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Depart from the fact that God is, exists and provides. Why would they depart from that? Why would you leave that to the side? But this is what's happening. If you go, you don't have to turn there, but in one chapter or one book over, 2 Timothy chapter 3, he said that some people, uh, now in this time, the last days, perilous times will come, 3 and 1, Men will be lovers of themselves, jump down to verse 5, and they'll have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. Having a form of godliness, in other words, having an idea of religion, having a form of of religious doctrine, but denying the power from where it comes from. This is the faith that people depart from, is the conviction that God exists and that he provides. He's still a provider. In the midst of everything going on in your life, in the midst of everything going on in the Middle East, in Israel, in Gaza, in Iran, in Saudi Arabia, in every place on this planet, in America, in Europe, wherever you can put your foot, where there is people with faith, there will still be conviction that God exists and provides, and God still provides in the midst of everything that's going on. He will not leave you forsaken. He won't leave you broken here. I don't care what happens. We have a promise. And until you, and if you stop believing that promise, God stops being pleased with you that we are not here for the tribulation. We're not there yet. These are all signs. These are all birthing pains that are going on. The time has not yet come until we get caught up in the sky with him and he returns for us. That's the time that the, these, the world will get to a worse place. You don't want to be here for that time.
But until that time, God's still providing. Until that time, God's still loving. God's still caring. God's still, now he'll always be a loving God. But my point is to you directly, specifically, I'm saying, God's care for you is still there. God's provision is for you is still there. And we just have to continue in this faith and stay convicted at the promise that he has for us and that he will perform the promise that he said he would. Hope has blessed you today. I love you. Have a great day today. I'll see you on the next broadcast live. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.